not a mask. Are you not a Murph? What are we drinking today? I've got a twice as nice double IPA. I've got a big bottle of St. Pierre, Belgian Arby beer, which makes me sound like I'm 40 yeah. and pretentious. It looks like it's part, it's like got a wine top to it, but it's apparently a beer. Yeah. Let's go on, let's, let's uh, get on the in. opening. Ooh, I mean, it pop like a. It smells heavy. Very nice. It looks nice, to be fair. I will tell. Fine. Lovely. Uh, what are you drinking, dear listener? Pauses for effect. Um, welcome to Are You Not Immersed? I am Thomas Florence. And I am Ivan Kelly. Where we talk about all things immersive. And art and other stuff. And other tangents because it's our podcast. <laughs> we can do what we want. <laughs> This is our podcast and we'll tangent if we want to. <laughs> um, cool. I believe we are doing a topic of conversation on this evening. I am. Which is? So, it's a bit hard to put a solid label on it, but I guess if we were doing so, it would be, does it being real matter? Okay. And I understand that's purposefully vague. That's fine, I can write that as a title. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, um, the inspiration for this uh, came from part of my dissertation when I was looking at uh, how uh, actors work in virtual reality and I was looking at presence uh, and the necessary criteria to make presence. And I touched on it in the first episode, actually. So that's presence as in I'm here now and not presence as in Merry Christmas. Very true, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, in the first episode, I was discussing, you know, criteria for a virtual reality setting to be uh, immersive and for you to feel like you are there. And one of the key qualities was for a world to react to you. For a, for a world to feel authentic, for it to feel real, your actions have to have consequences in this virtual world. Yeah. So, now, from what... I don't know if you've played any Bethesda games or RPGs or stuff like that, um, but a running joke with Bethesda games, with Fallout and Oblivion and Skyrim, is that the AI fucks up <laughs> in big ways. Um, one of my best experiences was I was I was talking to this to this wizard in some um, some cave. Um, and you know, the start of any situation. This sounds like I'm talking to you in a cave. <laughs> it, it really did. When you said wizard, my ears did rise because he always calls me the wizard. Um, <laughs> but I'm talking to this wizard in this cave, and uh, he the, the conversation stops, and he just goes in his really calm voice, farewell. To which the floor just starts to rise, and he's crushed <laughs> by these spikes. <laughs> okay. Well, and there's another fantastic one where you know. Uh, if someone says goodbye to me or goes, well, guess I'll have to do it then. And then just, like, completely prones out and just flies off into the sky. That's amazing. It, you know, and it really kind of breaks the immersion of these inc- what are incredibly immersive, realistic games. You know, it's kind of like, oh, okay, when the AI does bug, it, it really does show. So I guess what the conversation's really going to is let's, let's limit it down to um, does... You know, as we know, you know, theatre isn't real. Movies aren't real. Music isn't really real. Yeah. Um, well, or like it is on recording, but like if you're in such pain and heartbreak when you knock that down on vinyl, it's not going to be every single night you tour for the next absolutely. six years. You're gonna and, get that I'm, I'm talking stage, in yeah. terms of like a scalability. Like, does a level of reality really make a difference to you engaging with a um, piece of art? So I guess there's a level of that too, which is like, because it's just you bringing up music, is this whole thing, big thing about how like, you know, bands are made or broken on their like, uh, what's the word, on their like authenticity. It's, so it's, I guess it's a good thing that you said this because we we have this discussion quite a bit. Um, obviously, 
Harry Styles has just won a Grammy. And I'm, I'm quite a fan of Harry Styles. I think he seems quite cool. And, and one word I always use when I describe Harry Styles is I think he seems very authentic. To which Tom responds... He's been authentic since, like, the age of 12, where 20 people choose what top he wore. Um, yeah. Um, and there's, there is undoubtedly an element of at play there. And I, you know, when thinking about Harry Styles now, I, you know, I, I can't help but, but have that little voice in the back of my mind of the wizard going, yeah, but, you know, there's probably a team that's predicted how he should behave. And actually, just as I was researching this, I did find an interesting t- uh, statistic um, claiming that I think it's uh, da, 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 da. 20% of oh. Harry style fans <laughs> say he's authentic and would have a curry with him well um, according to a study by Social Content Agency uh, full screen nearly a fourth of Gen Z and Millennials would describe a uh, influencer and a virtual influencer specifically which we'll go into as authentic and this is a big problem because obviously for me um, you know Instagram Facebook all these social media sites they aren't real you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen bizarre accounts of people, um, cl- you know, taking a photo, posting in their holiday on Barbados, doing these fantastic things, when really they're in their, their flat in London, you know, eating marmite on toast. Yeah, these kind of throwback days were always a weird one, especially right now, you know, like, lockdown or whatever. Mm. And you're like, why are they on the beach in Barton? Like, oh, this was five years ago. Yeah, you so it, it is truly a false reality. And you know, there's loads of different pieces. If you haven't seen, um, oh, what's that, um, the Netflix one that we watched uh, on social media? Oh, it's called The Social Dilemma. The Social Dilemma. If you've yet to see The Social Dilemma on Netflix, give it a go. It's really, really good. In fact, you know, that's my recommendation at the end. There you go, holy guy. Yeah, yeah innit? Yeah, I'm, I'm swooping in there already. I guess it's that sort of, like, gamification of emotion, which, to be honest, you can argue is all art, but, like... Yeah, absolutely. So... So kind of returning to the point, we understand that like that theatre isn't real, and I think we can also make a point from that that you know I, I'm a big fan of, of quite stylized theatre and quite stylized art. So I can say the further it deviates from it being real, the more I actually kind of enjoy it. Yeah, that's an interesting argument. Yeah, I think to me because I remember obviously because you know met in uni, um, so I think it was in first year I was talking about how quite like physical theatre, and you were just like, oh, it's a bit. Bit dancey, I thought it was a bit pretentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the start of university, and you know, thank God I went to uni because you, you get a slightly more educated opinion and you learn to appreciate that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, see it through a different lens. Very much so, yeah. And I, th- I think because I bring stuff back to Kung Fu a lot, I think I was saying, hell, there's so, that's the same thing with like going, I don't like all martial arts. It's like there are the, there are the dancey, wide, crazy out there ones which they all use in the film because it looks Absolutely. good and then there's your practicality or at least uh, the heightening of stuff and I think that's you know from a physical theory point of view it's very much that it's, I like the ones where it's like well if you're feeling sad how could you show that and, and heighten it and there's, yeah as you said that's that's stylized. but I, I think it's yeah I, th- I think when it's style for style's sake and I mean that could be argued that sometimes that's a thing when it's style for style's sake and it feels like you're diminishing from a scene um, yeah, yeah it, it, should, it then, should always like come back to the scene like that's that's just sort of good storytelling you know everything in the frame you know it's sort of expanding the frame from its cinematic use to the to, to the stage and to the to the art world is everything within that kind of border should promote the meaning behind your material yeah and i think it's all the um the remakes of the old like playstation 2 games because i'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole looking at old walkthroughs of that and apparently like these new ones get remastered but obviously the um, screen ratios are different and they're saying how messed up it is because they've tried to like extend it. It's like Ratchet and Clank, where tried to extend Clank's head a bit to try and fit in the ratio restriction. And it's like how much it takes you out. That literally just an inch or two of frame yeah, that has to now be absolutely. there really takes you out or something. And um, again, it comes back to the, the virtual reality uh, rules for, for total immersion. You know, if, uh, if, uh, if, if the scenery, if the people don't look plausible based on our kind of like physical representation of, of physics, for a lack of a better word, um, then, then we don't deem it as authentic and we can't really engage with it on, on as deep a level. We don't think we're, we're present, we aren't really immersed in it. Yeah, and I guess the interesting thing with sort of remake game things, um, just in a level of emotion, is it's like you're comparing that to your old memories of playing that game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really interesting aspect, because it's like, to be honest, you know, if you put a kid, it's the whole thing of like, what's well, reality, you know, if... Uh, well, to put an example to myself, um, into a thing called 
Mills-Erling syndrome, some words used to bounce about on the page. And uh, I kind of, kind of got like the rare test. It's kind of part of dyslexia in a way. Um, and I remember my parents being like, no, why didn't you tell us they jumped out the page? And I was like, well, I assume they jumped out the page for everyone. So everyone was better at catching the words than I was. Which was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's so adorable. Um, but like, you know, that's been my lived experience up until that point. So this whole thing of like authenticity, I think is a really interesting one. And I mean, you can, there's so many times, um, or like what is reality is so kind of interesting. Because it's like, you know, maybe if, you've got a family that boogies all the time. Like yeah. one, one of my ex-girlfriend was half Greek and they used to always dance whenever there was a party. So to have a, a, a scene where it's a party scene and everyone's boogieing about, you, some people would be like, well, I don't, we'd, we'd sit around and we'd play past the parcel and we'd all have a shandy and it'd be very relaxed. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. Well, actually, that's not authentic and it's not real. It's just that their version of partying, you know, we take from lived yeah, experiences and the like. For them. Yeah. But then to some degree, you know, somewhere there is a degree of authenticity of it. Like, it, it, it is, may not be authentic to you, but it yeah. is to someone else. It's to someone else, yeah. Um, well, it's actually getting us into into sort of the secondary topic. So we kind of understand that, you know, like, like physically, reality can be quite important. If, if we juxtapose and go way, way away from reality, you know, like, like cubist representations of stuff, you know, that cubism and all that are fantastic, and they're nowhere near real and surrealism, and they're showing a different aspect of the world. Yeah. Um, but in terms of immersive work, it can be quite a bombardment. Um, I can imagine sort of an immersive world uh, where everything is kind of surrealist and cubist could be quite difficult to interact with. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, I think, that's a really good point, it's like, that's why I think a lot of people really dismiss artwork, it's something you just look at, and you can just look at previously sections, yeah. it can piss you off and walk away, but like, yeah, I guess in a sense, like, if, yeah, if you put in, if we're talking from a VR perspective, or just like immersive in its, uh, the online, or even in a traditional sense, where, you, you know, you go through and it's, it's, you're in sets or whatever, that would be quite interesting to be like, yeah, would people want to switch off quicker, or would kind of have to be forced to engage more, if your entire world was now cubism? Would yeah, you now reevaluate the cubist it, pictures because you'll have like to live inside Plato's it. cave, isn't it? Yeah. Like if you leave the cave <laughs> and you realise that your whole life has been this this three dimensional normal world, normal, and when you leave, you realise the whole spectrum is cubist and everyone's got faces that kind of droop like the clocks in Salvador Dali's picture. <laughs> it's yeah, I can imagine it being pretty horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, it's. And that, I guess, that comes into like pro show and other things of how how could you like build up to that point? Yeah, you know? how, could you, <laughs> how could you engage with someone going like you're going to enter a cubist nightmare world? Yeah, um, you know, there's, there's a big problem with VR when you get um, motion sickness because the the signals from your your the information you're getting visually don't match the the fluid in your ears telling you you know where your balance and things are, and you can get quite sick. Yeah. Well, what's interesting with that is it talking even more lo-fi. It's um I remember in like psychology class um. We used to have these, like, the goggles, that would mean, like, you look slightly just to the left. Or, you know, there would be all these mirrors and stuff in them, because it's all about perception. So, I mean, you know, you'd reach out for your drink in these goggles, but actually the drink would be, like, five metres away. And you'd be yeah. like, what? But um, what, um, uh, shout out to Mark Smith, um, what he always tell me was, it's like, but our brains are mad at adjusting. So you could keep that on for a few hours, um, and then your brains would rewire everything. Yeah. Uh, but then it, you'd have to take them off, and then have the other, you know, six or yeah, seven hours absolutely. or so. Yeah, absolutely. You'd have to come down of, of, of adjusting. Yeah, so I guess, you know, to, to Absolutely. if you were in a cubist world, forced to be in, which probably you don't want to force any audience member into anything, um, but yeah, you would probably then come out and be like, it's weird now the walls aren't drooping. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, very true. Okay, um, slight tangent, but my next question to you would be, so moving on in sort of the does it matter if it's real discussion, um, would you care... If you had, if you were to read a book that was made by an AI author, that was good. Would hmm. you care that it was made by an AI author? Well, this is yeah. Well, this is really interesting because I guess it is coming on to that thing of like you know, um, I, I guess from a, a novel point of view, no. But also, I know what it's like to get a novel published and like the editors and other stuff. So if it was also edited by an AI, if there were all the parameters and the way for it to be on the shelf, and that was all AI, I think I'd be more impressed than anything else because um, uh, we were playing sort of workshops and other stuff, and I was thinking about how um, utilizing sort of like uh, the skills that social engineers or like you know. Um, scanalyzed to use to try and you know to make things feel real because they're trying to steal money but we're trying to make things real in a 
theatrical sense. So I was thinking through it, and uh, I found out this thing which is called like spear fishing attack. So a fishing attack, everyone's on this email, it's your Nigerian prince. But spear fishing will be, I know you get donuts on a Tuesday at 10 o'clock, so I'll wait until 10 past 10 and go, thank you so much Ivan for your donuts. Uh, here is your 50% off coupon, knowing that you'll probably click on that because all the things line up. So it's called spear fishing because I'm purposely attacking you. So um, there's a big discussion um, being how like spear phishing is used by humans right now, but AI is getting better and better. Could a hacker just create a perfect computer and like just hack everything? And it's like, can you yes and no? Like, take some elements of the techniques, collecting, like what computers have over us is the ability to collect information. Like you could give an AI and it could read every story in existence by tomorrow and probably find tropes and probably find all the rest of it. But it's like the application of that knowledge is kind of what makes human human. So if, you know, especially with like, trying to make people feel a certain way like it's 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 quite nuanced so i'd be intrigued ah, to see. interesting so so the way um the ai in which i'm talking about works um so so ai usually works like a flowchart um and this this is in a video game for example so so behavior a will cause the the ai, the AI to, to react with reaction a yeah. and behavior b will cause the ai to react with reaction b now you know, this can get, you know, really, really extreme. You can have, like, millions and millions of different reactions. But there, there, there is a limit, you know, because, you know, if it's, a, if it's a video game, take, like, Skyrim or Red Dead, I'm thinking of really complicated ones with strong AI. They've only got a set number of reactions programmed. Yeah. So if you did something outside of its kind of, like, kind of its knowledge, it wouldn't have a set reaction to, and it would take you out of the immersion. But what if... You know, we get AI that can pass the Turing test. You know, you you are unable to, from from a conversational standard, um, basically acknowledge that it's not human. Yeah, and just Turing test. That's them, Alan Turing, who said how when you couldn't understand a computer as human, indistinguishable from yeah, human. Absolutely. That's when it's the the next level. Yeah, what um, if this AI could completely pass the Turing test? You know, it, it, it's likely that it, it, it doesn't sort of... It's not thinking. The important thing to remember is an AI isn't thinking. It's just using mathematics to predict right, the illusion of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to create the illusion of thought. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess come back to your sort of novel point of view, is it's like, I don't think I would be annoyed. I'd be intrigued, to say the least. See, that's um, where I stand. I think, it's a, I think it's an artwork in itself. Yeah, definitely so. But also, like, yeah, I mean, maybe it would just be easy for you to, like, relate to the character and no skills or beats or whatever. Well, to be fair, like, like, um, so the way, the way AI is working with creating art at the minute is you, you force feed information into an AI. You get it to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. And then it kind of replicates that information and spills it out. So effectively, you know, they've done it with Picasso and other big artists and Van Gogh and stuff. Um, and this, the AI kind of looks at their paintings and creates sort of a new one. But this new painting isn't really new. Yeah. It's just an amalgamation of everything they've done before. So really, you know, it, it's definitely not new. And neither will this, will this AI that creates a, the perfect novel or script, you know, the, the most emotion-inducing novel or script... Because all it's doing is looking at what's come before, looking at those potential triggers, and then just replicating them. Like, it's not creating anything new. It's not adding really anything revolutionary to this, like, cultural and literary zeitgeist. Well, I guess that's the issue with it, is it's like, it would be perfect. And I think one of my favourite quotes is, um, style is just See, this is the what thing. you do wrong and repeat. It could, it could very much be perfect, but then they could tone that down again to make it... Slightly well, false. this is what's interesting because it's like it's the people who are running the AI to um, take it slightly differently. Like uh, facial recognition has got a massive racial bias right now, to because um, it's mainly white guys who are running it. So not only do these facial recognition sometimes not register black men, but they put black women in it, and they don't even can't even scan anyone. Don't even like acknowledge you, really? it's, it's just, like human. That's bizarre. So, That's horrible. Yeah. So I guess this then becomes, and this is you know talking about a tangent that's even more about does does art become even more hierarchical because it's about the six developers who like a certain type of art i like picasso's earlier stuff and his latest stuff's bs 
So when well, they give them a bit of that later stuff, they go, no, I prefer option well, B. Well, like, these, you know. these are things that need to be talked about, because, um, uh, you know, if, you, if you're putting art into there that's kind of perfectly curated by six blokes who, you know, six computer wizards from MIT or something, who make this perfect storytelling AI, like, you've got to go, like, well, you know, stories aren't just about... Um, aren't just about the experience of reading the story. There's also, you know, the historical context of the story. You know, I'm, I, uh, I, I tutor GCSE kids for um, English, and we're doing uh, J.B. Priestley's Inspector Calls at the minute. And just by investigating, you know, historical context around the, the work, um, you know, I'm discovering things that I overlooked when I was a GCSE kid. Yeah. Um, you know, like how he's, <laughs> how he's trying to convince people to vote Labour. Um, and it's, it's a morality play to convince people you know, to accept more social responsibility. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's a very surface-level interpretation, but there are a lot of nuances to it. Um, that means it's relevant in the context within it's in, yeah. and not just as a standalone story. Well, that's that... I, I remember, I come on, this is a bit of advice, but it's like, if you ever want to understand the generation, just look at the generation before it, because kind of, as human beings, we kind of go, oh, they're doing all this stuff wrong, so we want to do... You know, everything's... Rea- most things are reactionary. Um... So yeah, I do wonder. But also, a story is a really good point as well because, like with um, Fargo, um, they said it was based on a true story because they knew it was a bit of a slow burner. And they thought, you know, it's based on a true story. These real crazy things that happened, uh, and they let Fargo the, the Coen Brothers, uh, the Coen Brothers film, yeah, um, they let that run out for a good few months before the government went. No, we just wrote it. There was no true uh, story based yeah. at all. But it was enough time for people to give it the time and attention it needs. And you look at any horror film; they always use that excuse based on true events. No, it's the writer once vaguely heard about Ed Gein. That's about it. Yeah, you know I mean? interesting. Um, so I wonder if, if it's a good thing or a bad thing I've, that it was made by an AI, because actually that might just be the sales tactic in the first place. People go, well, I'll give this novel written by an AI a go. But then again, the flip side is maybe people are more critical for that reason, because they'll be like, you know, the ones who don't want to believe that robots have the, everything that humanity have loved and lost and all the rest of it. Yeah, the, the, the humanitarian purists. Yeah, will probably yeah. be like... It's rubbish, but we'll you, but holes in it. that's not much of a cognitive bias. Just that Nathan for you episode with uh, <laughs> 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 no Nathan for you's like uh, this guy who goes around helping small businesses, and they think he's Gordon Ramsay, and he's actually just a comedian who's coming in to just provide the stupidest answers and essentially sabotage their business. So yeah. he, he works <laughs> one with this this burger chain in LA, and uh, and what does he do? He uh, Oh, yeah, he says, um, this guy's like, I make the best burgers in the world. And he's like, are you sure you make the best burgers in the world? And he's like, yeah, and he's like, great, because I'm going to put our money where your mouth is. And he's like, what? And he's like, people don't think it's the best burgers in the world. You've got to pay them $100. Yeah, <laughs> so they go on the biggest, like, LA talk radio. Like, millions yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tons of people flock to it. And, you know, loads of people are actually quite kind. Like, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good burger. And you get people who, some, who are just so obviously acting doing it so obviously like they 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 take a bite and they do this, this whole scrunched up face and just yeah and it's, it's <laughs> what's, what's so like do you have any toothpaste do you have any toothpaste yeah in it exactly yeah. Like, there will definitely be some purists who are like you know it's it's not it's lacking a certain feeling and I, i'd be honest with you if this ai like i've got a bit i've got an extract from a um an ai you're about to read one of those memes where it's like, I've made an AI well, well, read all of <laughs> Batman and this is what it wrote. Yeah, <laughs> those are brilliant. But this is an AI who's, um, who sped all the um, Harry Potter novels into this AI. Yeah, I'm told. <laughs> and it came up a chapter for a new Harry Potter story called Harry Potter and the Portraits of What Looked Like a Large Pile of Ash. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> so, so far... It's, uh, so one, one, one bit of text says, um, he saw Harry and immediately began to eat Hermione's family. Ron's rum shirt was just as bad as Ron himself. If you two can't clump happily, I'm going to get aggressive, confessed the reasonable Hermione. <laughs> it's really... See, it'd make fantastic surrealist comedy, wouldn't it? it? Would, yeah. The fact is, AI just isn't there yet. It's just not intelligent enough to to, <laughs> to accurately uh, 
portray and predict human behaviour, mm-hmm. at least in like a like a like in a reasonable story context. Well, that's a good point. I mean, if you did get it to write the entire thing and then someone went in and edit and you tweaked, then it's like well, there, technically there, there have been examples of that where yeah. an AI's wrote a whole script and people have directed and acted it. And it is surrealist comedy. It's it's quite funny. Yes, yeah. it's just well, so I even just bizarre. Thought, thought as a starting block, you can't be bothered to write a play. You get an AI to rock, knock out the play, mm. and then you just use that as stimulus. You know, like um, one of the great yeah, like exercises if you want to like write a poem is get two poems you really like. It's also great like if we did as a collaboration. You find a poem you like. I find a poem I like. Print them out and we cut every single word. Then you just rearrange the lines because it's this whole thing nice, of like yeah. you can't ever make a bad poem with good words. Um, and it's like, and those words are totally valid, and the fact you're rearranging them in your order makes it's them your words. It's something completely new, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because it's that whole thing of, you know, the dictionary in there is the world's greatest novel, it's just in the wrong order. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point, actually. I like that, I like mm. the concept. So yeah, I mean, you are you are getting, you know, this the, the general prediction is that you, you will have, um, within five years' time, you'll have complicated AI that can write just as human scripts um, as, as humans oh, are writing. They would bloody love that, wouldn't they, with all the bloody, stru- yeah, yeah, with yeah, the bloody structures. Absolutely, and the, yeah, yeah, You've got to yeah. hit this note by this time. You know, and if, a, if a good screenplay can be produced by an AI, um, you know, like Avengers 77, the... Uh, the <laughs> Captain America and the old people's home. Captain America. <laughs> the shielding of shields. <laughs> Captain America asked Captain Lee. Avengers, geriatrics assemble. <laughs> it's, you know, your novels aren't going to be far behind. And art's already being made. I'm just imagining, damn you, Loki, you stole my pudding cup. Ha ha! Not to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't mind reading an AI novel. Now, but this begs another question. Does anyone read novels nowadays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is anyone reading really <laughs> novels? I don't anyone read I read so much. <laughs> this yeah. is when people's like uh, mental image of us change from being quite young to like middle aged yeah, yeah, men. Yeah, yeah. Like, drinking... What is this music yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, drinking... <laughs> Who reads anymore? Saint Pierre, Belgian Abbey beer, so I'll, I'll take that. Um, but this begs another question, you know. Um, say if you, you were reading a novel um, and you thought it was by a human and someone came, oh, you know it's written by an AI. Would it change your perception of it? I think it would. Yeah. But only because, um, you know, how like my mind tricks and stuff work is it's kind of like we have incredibly complex brains, but because we're trying to processing so much, we have kind of like shorthand for things, or we kind of, you know, especially with like visual stimulus and stuff, we kind of just work something out. And although there's a really cool study about how um, monkeys are ridiculously good at if you do, you know, you flash up one to ten and make it go away. Uh, and they're all di- different all over the screen. Monkeys can go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10. Remember exactly where it is on the screen and just go for it. Well, we are bad at this. Um, and apparently, um, this one scientist I believes it's a whole thing of like, when we learned to talk, we kind of lost this super memory ability. Um, because it just meant we went, let's not go over there, there's bad, there's bad things over there. Yeah, and then it meant that we don't have to keep remembering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, so I think like, yeah, I think it would change your perception um in the sense that we we liked like when we when our assumptions are shown to us and we realize they're assumptions it always makes us reevaluate even if it's just for a short period of time to go wow i have all these biases or from a longer period of time yeah. it makes you reassess everything um so i think the fact you'd go back and be like damn maybe um well you get the sort of thing of like we tell someone something and they go oh no i knew that because if you look at this this and, that, and they come up with a bunch of post hoc stuff uh, it's like any bad psychological experiment ever where they get, I knew this was going to happen, and it's like, well, you didn't write a hypothesis beforehand, yeah, so right, you're just you, BSing. You jumped on the bandwagon yeah. of those conclusions, haven't exactly. you? Exactly. <laughs> and you know who you are. It rhymes with Snamford Snamardo. Snamardo. I'm calling you out. <laughs> Meet me behind the local bargain yeah, booth. So for those watching who obviously heard of the Zimbardo prison, um, prison experiment, like, like, look it up, it's... It's, oh god, I just didn't look it up. Oh, I feel like it did. Look, <laughs> look into it, guys. <laughs> look into it, guys. Wait, is this new van we just came across? It's a conspiracy! <laughs> They're turning the frog. <laughs> They're turning the frog. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's missing a podcast about a murder theatre. 
coinciding with hard conspiracy with, with hard theories. conspiracy theorists, Alex Jones. Get him on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but but moving on, you know, understanding that, um, you know, your perceptions would change if you were to, to pick up a novel, realise it's by an AI author. Now, what about if you were watching a play with an AI actor? Or a film with an AI actor? I have seen some robotic actors in my yeah. time. Hi, you um, No, um, I think I'm intrigued. Especially if all the others were a bit robotic as well. So you're like, which one is real? There's, um, I've yet to see this, but there's a VR production of, uh, uh, it's called The Under Presents. And I'm oh, not, yeah. not going to do the uh, company dirty. I'm going to find out who it's by. Who it is by? Ah, it's by a company called Tender Claws. Okay. Um, so Tender Claws is a... Um, it's an adaption of The Tempest, and so you're on the ship, you're, you're, you're running about... And it, um, is this in VR? It's in VR, it's yeah. In VR. Yeah, it's in VR. However, one thing that's quite unique about The Underpresents has it's got a mix of live and AI actors. Um, so, you know, that these, these live actors are probably in VR headsets themselves, or maybe really basically motion-tracked, and they're there. And it makes some really interesting um, scenarios. Like there's, there's there's one famous example of a uh, actor who's performing on stage, and a couple of audience members are in this crowd, in this uh, in this big crowd in the belly of the ship, um, and one of the audience members picks up a prop, prop bottle, it's all VR, so virtual bottle, and throws it, and then the actor on stage catches it, <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> and they can hear the audience member like, <laughs> well. <laughs> um, Figuratively shitting themselves, um, like like screaming like, "What the hell has happened?" Because obviously they assumed they were an AI. Yeah, uh, they I mean, assumed I've been there. I've been... They were they were incapable of uh, of performing like this, and you know that that um, that they probably sort of jumped out when they were like, "Whoa, this is impossible! How on earth they do that?" Before eventually realizing that it must be human. Well, what's interesting with that is it's the flip on its head, isn't it? Because it's like it's more harder to make something that isn't human look human. But it's more easier for someone to human to blend in as an AI and then mess about with you. Slightly. Yeah, it, you yeah, yeah, yeah. For See, example, that's, that's <laughs> it. getting something to pass the Turing test is the hard part. Yeah, again, because then I guess that comes into like you know we're talking about uh, yeah, like does it matter if it's real? Like that's something we talk about you know when we're doing our online shows and like people always think you're stuck in Zoom and then it's like well you know to create some excitement to create some liveness think about Zoom and think you know we hate. We hate people imagine walking in the background, or we hate someone banging on the door, we hate all these things that we worry it's kind of ruined this little yeah, bubble. But, and it's but, like, but if we disturb that bubble, and then the twist is it's part of the show, like, how can you play with that? Something yeah. that I've always, you know, after you telling me about ARGs, something that I, I really like that we incorporate is that um, our, our stories can kind of run parallel to reality. So it, it's kind of like taking a little step out. But it still seems realistic. Like the, the, it's it's very portal questy. Like you you go through this portal or you find this this website or this entity which we've created we put forwards. Yeah. And then that instigates the rest of the story. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it all depends because it can be quite portal questy or it can be especially sort of the alternative reality game vibe. Is it's very sort of like it's intrusive fantasy. See, that's what because I mean. But I I would still say intrusive fantasy is a little bit. It's like a lesser portal. Like maybe it's putting on a lens, or like, like well, like let's let's it's it's not quite, but let's pretend that it is still a similarly portal. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. I mean, I get. I think Paul Quest from I do see totally see your point. Is it's like some of our shows are very much that which is like it's a world running completely different, and you have to trans like go through this place to it. But then sort of the intrusive stuff, like some. Actually, quite a lot of alternative reality game would be called Chris, but some sort of intrusive things is, is the whole thing of like, you know, you always go past that abandoned house near where we live, but actually today we stumble across and realise there's a cult who's been there for five, five years, you know, mm. like that's that's the intrusive side of it. But like, yeah, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's that notion of sort of liveness, which we kind of talked about before, I think definitely comes into play with, with like AR, like, yeah, like uh, yeah. trying to get past the Turing test. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, absolutely. Uh, well, well, this is actually nice segue into into my last point or my last my last talking point, um, which is uh, okay. So, so if we establish that you know you you would behave differently if you understand that an AI 
is kind of running the show. If an, if an AI is performing to you and you know it's an AI, but what happens if you don't know it's an AI and it does pass the Turing test? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's the whole thing as well, is it's like, you know, what what makes a good show? Because some people, you know, from, from the basic point of view, it's you know all your lines you get from A to B and whatever. But actually, you know, when you see a band live, that's a very different discussion because it's like you know what the song sounds like on the tape. But it's the, it's the differences you're focusing on because That's you're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think it was, I think I was, uh, the Monty Pythons were going to do a final, uh, like a big final tour or whatever. Uh, and they were chatting to Ezzy Izzard. And um, they were like, we're really nervous to go back out there. Or whatever. And he went, they don't want you to get it right. They know what right looks like. They want you to go out there and get it wrong. Not because they hate you, but for the fact that it's been wrong on yeah. that night. Or we always know it's that the sketch ends with that line, it's but they've put a new line in just for us. I know? remember um, I used to be a really big fan of the television show Bottom with Rick Mail, Adrian Edmondson. And they did a, a big live tour um, where it went wrong all the time and they'd break character and start laughing at each other. And, you know, to, to a large degree, it's, it's been a a lot of those moments were scripted, you know, to make it look like something had gone wrong. Like it was to make it seem like each each show was unique and individual because they kind of understand that that's the beauty of a live experience. Very much a lot, and that's sort of comedy. Very much so, from being immersed in it, seeming like it's it's live. Is um, was it Noel Fielding? Very much like that. He would do things where it's meant to respond with the video. No, no, the video's going wrong. Blah blah blah. And um, um one of my mates. So I live and went, it went wrong, but it was still hilarious. And I was like, no, no, that was all planned. She's like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't. I'm like, it's, it's like, yeah, you can go buy the DVD now, and surprisingly, all the bits that go wrong on her night were all the bits that went wrong on the, oh no, it's going out into the world scripted live DVD. Yeah, now. absolutely. Um, but then that falls into, there's something called a Lazzi, which was in Commedia dell'arte for doing full theatre history stuff. Um, and that's like... Um, that's where a lot of like the stock characters come from, you know, um, Harley Quinn and all that sort of thing. Um, but they used to do things where it looked like it would go wrong, like perfectly go wrong, and oh no, the audience would come in and they'd be actually this was planned. And they, and they, I think there used to be, I could be getting this wrong, but there were like five or six like famous lapses of like something would fall over, the blah, the blah. So actually, there were even like stock things for things to go wrong. And then every time they'd be like, oh, tonight we're going to do the blah, blah one. And they would go out and it looked like it was going wrong to add that liveness. Yeah, and so that was very street theatre as well. So it, it was to add with the, everything, the hustle and the bustle, to look like it's going wrong, oh no. But that spiralling kind of made it so. But I guess that's that's a really good point of like comedy. Is it's like, we, comedy has to have that element of like, you know, it's, tragedy plus time type vibe as it's like you've got to kind of have that awkwardness of oh no it's going wrong to then find it funny so I guess you know it'd be maybe easy to, to do a uh, some kind of uh, AR comedian AI <laughs> but, comedian. Uh, yeah AI comedian sorry AI not AI, AI comedian for the fact that you know the bit's going wrong or whatever if you t- if you scripted that right people would find it funny but maybe if you're trying to do an AI well, Shakespeare so this is the thing uh, like you, like I was, are still thinking of AI in its most basic terms when it's only got a flowchart of like like a very limited things and you need to program. This AI, not necessarily think, but it has such an understanding of behaviour that it can effectively, like this, this hypothetical VR, that it can respond to real situations and form a mathematical um, like response to this stimulus. So it, it, it could, as you were saying, respond to, to, to fuckaburies. And this is a big part, for me, for how AI needs to interact uh, to make authentic AI in, in performance. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, a saying in Star Trek's play, um, God, this is pretentious, uh, <laughs> uh, No Exit, which is Hell is Other People. And this is a bounce-off from his uh, existentialist philosophy. Now... Just a little tangent. So the way Sartre describes how he, how, you know, you, you can be aware of another conscience, uh, consciousness is that um, there's the, through the process of shame. Like, I, if I were to go into the kitchen in my boxes at four o'clock in the morning and start drinking milk straight from the carton, like, and... I feel like it's my, Wednesday already. <laughs> my, my goldfish was there. Like, I wouldn't necessarily feel shame. But if, like, you or, or any of our flatmates were to walk in and find me there, milk down my front, kind of caught in headlights, like, I would 
feel a degree of shame, or at least I hoped I would. I think I'm potentially past that now. <laughs> um, but but that's that's it. That's how you know that another consciousness, another consciousness of equal or greater complexity, is witnessing you human action. And I mean, so like this is the nece- this is the necessity that you need for an AI in order to have this kind of exchange, this kind of uh, complete authenticity of you being there, of you experiencing the same kind of process of interaction, you need to know that there's something complex happening behind those those either uh, real or those virtual eyes. Yeah. Well, what, what you sort of mentioned there about the goldfish or like the flatmate, or, but then again, maybe not because the flatmate's okay, it's like, it seems to be like a level hierarchy. So I wonder if you made, like, a kind of at the level that it is now, AI policeman, would that pass the churn test better? Than like an AI meant because you know there, there's certain protocols to follow, but also your, your anxiety level would be higher because you've got to follow that well, level that, of authority. That's hierarchy of um, that's assigning a different level of hierarchy. I'd say that's assigning a hierarchy of social structure. But whereas the goldfish and the person is a hierarchy of kind of like ability of consciousness. Like we we know that there's less going on inside of goldfish's brain than there is going inside of human's brain. Yeah. Whereas, I'm not too sure if, well, there might be less going on inside a policeman's brain than there is going on inside your brain. Yeah, but, I'm but, to work but, to get out of the situation. By, like, a, you know, a Robocop or a Judge Dredd coming up to me, that's a complete robot. Like, I, I, I'd be obliged to follow its rules simply because it's programmed to, to react yeah. potentially violently towards me, just like a real policeman. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's less going on in it. <laughs> but there's there's two good po- there's points to raise here. That you know, if if an AI an AI it's unlikely that we're ever gonna get a Skynet scenario. Because just creating that that complexity of AI is is not really kind of an escalation of how AI works at the minute. Yeah. So, so if it, it does happen, we should all just be happy that scientists create something so intelligent. <laughs> well, they blast us. So, it. so what I'm saying is, we can never have that kind of level of um, uh, level of complexity. We can never get that shame because it will never be a free-thinking organism. It will never be able to jump off conclusions quite uh, to jump to conclusions and to free-think quite like a human can. Well, I guess because that's coming on to like. Because I know that's how like chaos theory computers and stuff are meant to work. Is it's like it, they won't work in the linear sense that computers do now. So I guess that would only be like to create some kind of sentience would be that. Well, sort that's of level. that's exactly it. It'd have to be sentience, and you know, as I mentioned, it's it's just not how uh, AI is going to develop. Yeah, that's not the logical progression of how AI is. You know, we could we could you know recreate the primordial ooze sort of uh, <laughs> binarily I think that's the word <laughs> using that's not bi- sounding good so yeah, you know, I'll thesaurus the sentence afterwards ooze <laughs> using the, the sort, of, sort of binary code and create some kind of mad uh, <laughs> mad sentient robot life I'm imagining um, you know the, uh, the robots from Futurama where it's the, the, the Lucy Lou buttons. <laughs> yeah, Lucy Lou button. that's what um, we're missing. But yeah, you know, it's unlikely that we'll create that. I mean, it's, you know, thought experiment possible, but given how things are progressing, we'll never be able to achieve that same level of shame from an AI. Thus, our interactions are always going to be a little bit different mm. compared to if we were interacting with a human performer. Well, I guess it depends, because this whole thing, what does it really matter? I guess it comes down to the context of it. You know, if we're talking like an immersive show, maybe if some poor actor was only in the pre-show intro where you came in, you told them the rules, they did whatever. I think, it, to be honest, it's becoming more like, I guess, like a Disneyland type situation where, you know, they've built an animatronic because rather than having a cast member in who has to say yeah, all these things, yeah. the animatronic just does it all for you. And if there's a bit of witty back and forth thanks to the artificial intelligence, then you've got that running too sort of thing. But like, yeah, well, absolutely. I guess it depends on the degree, like, you know, will we have an artificial intelligence? See, Macbeth, maybe not, because it's a, it's a lot to carry a whole show. Well, about. well, you, you know, you, you potentially could have an artificial, like an, non-immersive theatre, an AI non-immersive theatre show. Yeah. Um. Well, well, an AI film. I'd say for theatre, they're still for for something like theatre, which is so based in liveness. Yeah. There and needs like the pauses there the, needs yeah. to be this. The fact is, in theatre, the biggest definition for theatre, and you know, the biggest distinction from theatre to film to me is that in theatre I can get up and shout dickhead 
and it's going to change the fabric of the performance. Yeah. You know, it's it's 4.33. Each, each cough, each sneeze, each rustle of the crisp packet, um, every, you know, twist of the chair, creak of a chair, weaves itself into the fabric of the performance. I guess also because the actors are alive too, like, you know, they say acting's yeah. reacting, and that's very much so in theatre, but acting is kind of reacting on the scene, but also acting is what the editor decides it to be in a lot of senses yeah, when it very comes to true. a film, you know. You know, yeah. they, they can choose what goes into the final cut, and it's it's usually very, very refined, as, you know, theatre's very explosive, it's very, you know, in the moment. Um, so that actually leads me on to my last point, which is, um, actually, you know, AI, AI uh, personalities, as they are actually weaving themselves into the fabric of our, our world, you know, as we speak. There's, I don't know if I've, I've told you of Lil Michaela. Michaela? Maybe is that that like influencer? That's not so even real. She's an AI influencer. Mm. Um, she's an AI influencer, and <laughs> she's programmed by these two guys. Um, and she's got she's got a modelling contract with I think it's CAA, which is huge huge um, uh, modelling representation agency. Mm-hmm. And I think she's modelled for Gucci. Imagine sending that email. Hi, they're not real, real but yes. Yeah. Well, that's very much the point. Apparently, uh, virtual influencers are quite popular, um, and there's quite a few people who, who follow virtual influencers, and Lil Michaela has just been signed for a $10 million deal. Sheesh. A $10 million deal. Madness. That's potentially more money than you and I will see in our entire lives. Yeah. Put together, I, I, I potentially would wager. Yeah. That's uh, insane. That's insane. That's insane. So, to a degree of does it matter, Lil Michaela doesn't you know, she she can't ever like fulfil the requirements of that um, that Sartre esque shame thing that I was talking about earlier. But it has been reported that she does uh, respond to and influence culture. Yeah. So and she'll never try to back out of a contract. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they probably will love it. And, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but this comes with its, its own problems too. You know, your. <laughs> Lil, I think Lil Michaela's is meant to be of um, somewhat um, Spanish descent. Right. You know, like, but other creators. <laughs> well, I, I I can't tell you that. I'm not right. too sure. Um, but I find it I find it pretty interesting that you know you choose to create a virtual Spanish descending person. Yeah. Then actually hire like a An very real Spanish, Spanish model. Yeah. yeah, 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 or a South American model or something. Yeah, that's a very valid point. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though, is I guess it comes back to that whole thing of, like, the reaction's the important thing. Because, you know, and we can make a, a little Ivan tomorrow, but, um, you know, how many followers we get in response to that? Like, Very that few. shapes you, it. You get my mum. <laughs> then you get your mum. <laughs> <Her> art page. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what I mean. Shout out to Louise Ginetta. But, yeah, um, but, like, yeah, I guess it it's it's the hype that's quite important. That The hype makes her alive, so to speak. Yeah, totally. The hype makes her alive, and it's you know if she um, if she wasn't making money, uh, if she wasn't making hype, if she wasn't drawing attention, she'd be she'd be on a memory stick somewhere. You know what I mean? But that's the kind of funny thing though, because like hype is what gets us going, like as performers anyway. The irony is there's a bunch of hype towards a being that doesn't need it. Yeah, (laughs) in a sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that's really interesting. But yeah, so does it matter to summarise? Sort of. Sort of. It, it's a very, very loaded question. Yeah. And I think it depends so much in what facet does it necessarily yeah. matter. And I mean, you make a really good point there. If anyone can, any bunch of coders can make up a, uh, especially because there's this big discussion of representation right now. Like, if, yeah, a bunch of, like, white dude coders can make a, a fake influencer who just seems to hit the exact, who's like, oh, uh, lesbian or whatever because they want to try and hit this certain pot of money that's put aside for actual lesbian screen characters then um you are kind of removing yeah, the you're, actual you're news removing, yeah. yeah 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 you're removing a very real uh you're, 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 yeah, you're taking real money person. out of a real a real artist yeah, yeah. Hand, so at, at the same time who's to you know technology is getting more advanced who's to say that you know this isn't particularly real these discussions and you know ours are what we've done here is very much scratch the surface of four very different um, examples yeah. of, of AI and uh, virtuality being used in performance. 
but you know these discussions really need to be had, especially on the philosophical front. You know, what, yeah. what in terms of what's particularly ethical. Yeah. Well, I think if you're going to cherry pick for a community and you end up getting ten million, you should try and put some money back into that freaking community. Potentially so. Otherwise, you're just it's um, what is it? Billy Bragg always said about that's why he loved the Clash over like Phil. Who's the drummer? Um, Phil Collins, yeah, over Phil Collins, because like the Clash would sing about problems that they were trying to solve, and they weren't singing the song. Phil Collins wants song a song about the, well, yeah, <laughs> one song a, a song about the homeless crisis hit number one. What did he do with that? Say thank you very much for believing in their story about the homeless crisis. Like, <laughs> like he didn't do anything. So I guess yeah, but from the I guess there's a lot of ethical discussions, but I think yeah, if you're going to cherry pick from a culture, perhaps give back. But aside from that, there isn't necessarily anything wrong with an AI novel. Yeah, um, absolutely. Although, because there is a big discussion right now about, you know, lived experience or, or like, do you have a right to tell this story? I guess if an AI can write a touch, touching, heartbreaking story, I guess the real discussion is if you do your research enough, you can write about anything. Because <laughs> if we can form a computer to write anything with enough well, research... I, I, you know, I guess so. <laughs> uh, and, well, that's, that's under the assumption that a computer isn't biased. Yeah, um, which, which as we, we know they are. they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. But yeah. So to summarise, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I think that's that's a pretty hefty topic for today. Yeah, it's lots too... of avenues to look down. Yeah. Um, so, uh, any recommendations? Oh, I think you already said yours. So it was the, the Netflix documentary, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Social, social Dilemma. dilemma. Social uh, dilemma. Uh, the Social Dilemma, The Underpresents, which I'm going to... I'm gonna watch tomorrow because it's been I've been off putting it for a long time and I'm gonna I'm gonna whack on my VR headset and give it a go. Um, and aside from that, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course, you would prop it onto Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, awesome. All right, I'm gonna my recommendation is gonna be the TMNT Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> the throwback. Um, or just you know to be immersed again. Go watch a walkthrough of an old PS2 game that you haven't played in years. That's what I've been doing. Ah, oh, straight up, like, like takes uh, you back. Spyro, yeah. Tiger Tasmanian Tiger, Sly Cooper, the entire Sly Cooper Crash trilogy. Oh, yeah. Sly Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go, go watch a PS2 uh, oh, cool walkthrough, yeah. or find some like old one on your PC. For totally. me, it's Fable. Yeah. Fable. Yeah. Totally. Fable. <laughs> Please Please sponsor also. us, Microsoft. Please sponsor. <laughs> yeah, that all the beer companies that we keep buying off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm. Thomas Flights. And I'm Ivan Kelly. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Matt TJ Flights. If you want to follow us on our creative endeavours, we are But Why Theatre Co. on Instagram, I believe But Why Theatre on Facebook. So by all means, send us weird questions about the weird things we talk about. Uh, Straight up. Till next time, stay immersed. <laughs>